That is a major technicality that would let some outrageous, outrageous deal be enforced on the rest of the country. I can't find any rationale that excuses this utter failure to seek justice. Y'all, you deserve professional hair color that makes you look your gorgeous best delivered right to your door. You can take your hair coloring at home to the next level with Madison Reed, and it starts at just $22. Women have had two options for coloring their hair for decades. That at-home color you got out of a box that's outdated or going to the time and expense of a traditional salon. Many clients of Madison Reed comment on how their new hair color has improved their lives. Women love their gorgeous, shiny, multidimensional, healthy-looking hair. This is game-changing color you can do at home. And you'll look like you just came out of the salon. Madison Reed color is unique because it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones. And they create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Best case, worst case listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code BESTCASE. That's code BESTCASE. Hello, and welcome to Best Case, Worst Case. This is Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor, and writer-producer on CBS's Criminal Minds. With me today is... Hi, everybody. It's Francie Hakes, former state and federal prosecutor. Jim, back together again in the studio, in actually in person. In studio, yes, in person. How wonderful is that? Anyway, we are in the middle of a very intense worst-case scenario, and it's something that is actually evolving as we speak. It is the fact that Jeffrey Epstein has been indicted on the sex trafficking charges that should have been bought 13 years ago. So I'm sure you guys are all following this in the news. It's rapidly, rapidly developing and Boy, there's some serious stuff going on here. Well, there is. I mean, Jim and our sort of the, at the end of our last episode, we got to the point where the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami had negotiated a non-prosecution agreement with Jeffrey Epstein's high-powered defense team that allowed him to plead to some absurd, barely felonious charge in state court. He he got 13 months on work release where work his release. chauffeur drove him around and had to register as a sex offender and pay some restitution, but the power and might of the federal government was not brought to bear. No, and this guy is traveling around the world in his private jet, going to his mansions in the North and the South, and apparently hanging out with some pretty powerful people, and he doesn't get prosecuted by the feds. It just no, stinks. It does stink. And he's and he has friends. The thing about it is lots of people online still, even after Alex Acosta's press conference today, which we're going to talk about in a minute, people are still trying to make it a partisan issue. Epstein was friends with people in both parties, right. two presidents from two different parties. And then a third president was president during the plea deal. So it smells. But honestly, I don't think it's politics. I think it is something else. So let's really break that, break it down. Let's get into it. So, Francie, 
in between last week and this week's episode, Alex Acosta gave his first news conference about this. This is after tweeting or something saying that I'm glad that they've gotten Jeffrey Epstein on new evidence. Is that really what happened? No, that's not what happened. That's not at all what happened. What it looks like to us from the public filings, and I've read the bail memo that the U.S. Attorney's Office submitted to the judge to hold Epstein in jail since he's been there since Saturday or last Saturday. In the motion- Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that a chauffeur doesn't get to pick him up and bring him home at night (laughs) like he did the entire 13 (laughs) months that he, quote, served in prison? Well, you never know because the judge hasn't actually heard that bail case yet, at least not as of the day we're recording today. And if he gets bail, Jim and I will come back and update, don't worry, and we will be outraged by that because he should be in prison. But the non-prosecution agreement from Miami not only failed to indict or charge Epstein federally, but also anyone who conspired with him, anyone who assisted him, anyone who was involved in what was certainly a commercial sex trafficking scheme at the time. And none of those people have ever been prosecuted, never, ever, for a single thing. And we know there were a lot of collaborators with him. So you fast forward to now, and over the weekend, the FBI raided his New York mansion, which it is literally a mansion, apparently. It's worth $77 million. Do you know where it's located? I don't. It's all the same to me, Jim. Manhattan's Manhattan. Yeah, but if it's on the Upper West Side or Upper East Side, that's... I don't know. You can bet it's somewhere ritzy, but it's a $77 million mansion, and he was on his way back from France when they executed a search warrant on his home. So he was overseas. According to what the U.S. Attorney's Office is saying, they found explicit sexual images of, quote, young women or girls in Epstein's house, including some in a safe in CD form that are marked with names and things like girls. As of right now, we don't know if it's child pornography. Mm -hmm. That is certainly the implication, and some people are reporting it that way in spite of the fact that the U.S. Attorney's Office has not called it child pornography, and he's not indicted or charged for child pornography. The charges now that he's facing right now that he was indicted on two counts are conspiracy to commit sex trafficking and sex trafficking, all based on that conduct you and I talked about in the last episode, the 2002-2005 sex trafficking scheme. All right. So we'll talk about sex trafficking in a second, but people might be wondering why they can't determine immediately that it's child pornography. And one of the things that you and I both did, one of the difficult things that we did over the course of our careers was actually look at the material visual depictions to see if it did violate the child pornography statutes. And one of the difficult things about that is, can you tell that it's a minor? Is it an identifiable human being minor? And then if so, is it sexually explicit conduct? And so if they are in the midst of making that determination, then that's why they wouldn't say anything yet until they actually, one, identify the images as depicting minors and two, engaging in sexual activity or sexually explicit conduct. So that could be something that takes a little doing because especially since the Supreme Court came down with decisions that basically surgically removed, I would say, images that could be created that aren't actual living human being children, but 
that can actually appear to be children, you have to be able to prove that the images actually depict real human beings. And those real human beings are under the age of 18. Or were at the time of the photo, obviously. Or were at the time of the the photo. Well, and that's the thing. So the indictment was untilled Monday morning. It was scheduled to be untilled Monday morning. It was from the previous week. It was from before they executed the search warrant. So all they had at that time, or at least all they were willing to go to the grand jury with at that time, were these two sex trafficking charges, which I think are really just holding charges. They knew he was out of the country. They knew he was coming back. And they wanted to be able to arrest him and hold him while their investigation continues before he has a chance to leave the country again. Right. But you're saying the behavior is behavior that was conducted between 2002, 2005. And if that's the case, they probably just went back and talked to the victims again, right? Well, we're not sure. We think that there's been some evidence that They have a victim in New York who was not part of the original investigation in Florida. I think it's a little confusing at this point. And there are obviously going to be motions by the defense attorneys to what they're going to call enforce the non-prosecution agreement. In fact, they're going to argue to the judge, they've already said this in public, they're going to argue to the judge that Epstein cannot be prosecuted for that conduct from 2000-2005 even if it was in Florida and New York and the Virgin Islands, because all that was the subject of that non-prosecution agreement. But didn't the non-prosecution agreement state that nobody in this district would prosecute? It did, but it said that he would not be, that he had an expectation that this would cure, quote, globally, his state and federal criminal exposure globally. You and I know that's very specific prosecution language. Well, globally just means state and federal, not literally around the globe, but in this case it is. And then it also said that for investigations that have been conducted by the FBI in Miami, New York, and the Virgin Islands. So the agreement did mention New York. Yeah, but they had no jurisdiction over what New York does well, that's not, or the Virgin Islands. Well, that's not exactly true. I mean, How prosecutors, well, the prosecution there could have included conduct in New York because it was all part of a scheme or a conspiracy. That's all they had to do is charge right, but the, a conspiracy. You tell that to Robert Morgenthau. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a different matter altogether. But they certainly could have. I mean, it's all part of the scheme. Any they jurisdiction. Could only, they could only talk about the federal jurisdiction in New York and Miami and yeah, wherever. Yes, I'm sorry. Of course, not the state court no. people. The state court people couldn't do it at all. This has nothing to do with state court. Well, not we're yet, all, but it We're can. all federal court now. But So I don't know what's going to happen with that. I think it's an interesting legal question. I hope, from a selfish standpoint, I want him to be prosecuted. So I hope a judge says that the non-prosecution agreement does not bind any office except the Southern District of Miami. I hope that's what they rule. It's not clear to me that that's what they're going to say. Apparently, that is the president in the Second Circuit, unless there's language specifically that says it binds X offices, then it only binds the one whose signature okay, there is. And let's hope that's the case. But if not, that is a major technicality that would let some outrageous, outrageous deal be enforced on the rest of the country. I know. It's just ridiculous. I think it'll go to the Supreme Court, though. I think before he ever sees a trial, the Supreme Court will rule on that particular issue. And of course, we'll follow that closely. But in the meantime, as we've said, he may very well have been in possession of child pornography, which does two things. It's new criminal conduct, 
that is completely independent of any agreement. And it may very well breach the agreement itself, which required him to remain crime free. And that could overturn that agreement and invalidate it and invalidate it. And then all bets are off and New York doesn't have anything to worry about. So all of those things I think are more likely than the Supreme Court saying, drop the case. And I just, I really don't see that happening because I do think there are more charges to come. I hope the New York office is looking to prosecute some of these co-conspirators. But at this moment, until we have the bond hearing, we don't know as much as I would like to know. What we do know is that Alex Acosta, he, the author of the non-prosecution agreement, has, as you said earlier, spoken really for the first time on this matter. Well, spoken for the first time, but he's tweeted already. He's tweeted and responded. I mean, there have been, in the civil lawsuit, there have been affidavits filed by the career prosecutors uh, down there in Florida making representations about what occurred then as to why they did not notify the victims. It's all a bunch of bull. Really? Like, what's the reason? Well, okay. So here's one thing Acosta said in his smug, arrogant press conference today. He said that The non-prosecution agreement was signed on a Friday, I believe it was in October, I could be wrong with that, I think it was October of 2007, on a Friday, unbeknownst to the career federal prosecutors, the state authorities had already scheduled Epstein's plea for Monday. And so over the weekend, the career prosecutors were desperately trying to contact the victims to let them know, I believe they just were unsuccessful. Well, how could that be? That they were unsuccessful in contacting any victim. That's right. To say it's anything. It's a lie, but it is what is represented. It's also, in- I'm sure that A, they knew exactly what the state prosecutor, because how could they make a deal with the same defendant not knowing what the state prosecutors were going to do? Of course they how were could communicating. They do that? Of course and they were communicating. Emails showing they were communicating. And the emails will say things often like, let's talk about this offline later. They clearly knew. That something they were doing was wrong because they did not want it to be reflected on the public records and the government emails. Additionally, they had been negotiating that non-prosecution agreement for literally months, and they did not tell any of the victims that that was even a possibility. In fact, they kept getting letters saying the investigation's, quote, ongoing. No, it wasn't. It had been stopped, and a negotiation to not prosecute Epstein was what was going on here. And so it's just a lie. It isn't true what Acosta said. It isn't true what the career prosecutors have represented to the court because there's emails proving that it isn't true. And you also had Acosta sending emails to the defense team telling them they, they could have a breakfast meeting off campus in order to finalize this deal. No United States attorney has a breakfast meeting off campus with defense attorneys to negotiate a plea deal. You make them come into your office. That's the power of the federal government. They have to come to you if their guy wants a deal. And this is a guy asking not to be prosecuted. Not to be prosecuted, but let's talk about it over breakfast at the club. Exactly. It smells. Something is wrong. Alan Dershowitz came out today and was interviewed because he was one of Epstein's attorneys at the time. And he has said that he wishes he could have gotten a better deal, that he doesn't think Epstein is guilty of anything, which is ridiculous. It is, I I mean, I, I don't even First understand all, why he would say that. A now. defense attorney saying that about his client 
What the fuck? You're being paid to say that. That's just outright outrageous. He's, he's not even his attorney anymore. All right, but he was. I know he was. He was defending him. And he still so says it. And he's defending himself. So what he's trying to say is the victims are so non-credible because they came after me, Alan Dershowitz, that nothing that they said was true. Exactly. Well, That's exactly what he's saying, that none of them are credible, which makes me wonder. It's just a coincidence, Alan, by the way, buddy boy. It's just a coincidence, Alan, that the woman who said that she was sexually victimized by your client or former client, Jeffrey Epstein, who said that he was a pedophile, who he was having sex with underage girls, just coincidentally has pornography that is related, at least it appears at this point, to be child pornography. Just a coincidence. It's a coincidence that he actually is sexually attracted to children. Hey, y'all, don't you just love warm alcohol? (laughs) Of course not. And neither did Dylan, the founder of Brewmate. That's why he made it Brewmate's mission to shake up the beverage industry for the better. Brewmate's stylish, insulated drinkware is designed to keep your favorite beverages ice cold all day long. Whatever your taste in beer, wine, or spirits, Brewmate makes sure every sip is the perfect temperature. I love the wine Insulator Uncorked Gift Set Bundle that I got in Carrera, which is beautiful, by the way. It fits a full bottle of wine and includes a silicone funnel for easy transferring of wine or margaritas or one of my favorite things, a full pitcher of lemon drop martinis. It maintains the perfect temperature of all those ice-cold beverages for over 24 hours. You can bring your drinks on the go without worrying about keeping them chilled, and there's no more broken bottles. The wine glasses are the largest insulated wine glasses in the world. Don't settle for warm alcohol. Chill out with your favorite drinks all day long with Brewmate. Visit brewmate.com and add code BESTCASE to get 15% off your first order. That's 15% off your first order when you go to brumate.com and add the code BESTCASE. Y'all, hiring used to be hard with multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, and a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash best case. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash best case. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-S-T-C-A-S-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash best case. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So what else did Acosta say today? He said that one of the biggest reasons that they did not proceed with federal prosecution was because, quote, many, many of the victims exonerated Epstein. Oh, that is such an outrageous statement. Oh, okay, Michael Jackson. Oh, because I didn't have sex with X 
person means I didn't have sex with that person. That's like saying in a murder investigation, just parade all the people on the planet that are still alive. He didn't kill me. Can't be a murderer. That's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's stupid. And for a prosecutor to say that, a federal prosecutor who supposedly has a law degree and actually is working for the people of the United States of America, to say that, outrageous. Well, and unfortunately, he's sitting in front of the media who are doing their best and asking good questions, but they don't know what we know. And that remark went unfollowed up. Are you serious? Indeed. (laughs) Here's what else he said. Jim, I know this will shock you. Some, some of the victims were reluctant to testify. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so rare in a child sexual victimization and sex trafficking case. Everybody wants to come forward and risk life, limb, and their careers, as illegal as they might be, or as abusive as they might be. Yeah, that never happens. No, it's ridiculous. And the thing about it is, at that time, at the time that they made this uh, outrageous deal with Epstein, they had dozens of victims. The FBI had found, and local law enforcement had found dozens, literally dozens. That means multiple dozens. That means at least 24. And even Acosta himself in this press conference admitted some were reluctant to testify. Not all. That means some of them were. Willing. Yes. Yes. And able. Some were willing and able. And I told you there was already corroboration. Not only did they corroborate each other, but you had outside witnesses corroborating the events that they describe. And you've got flight manifests and and pilot logs. And who are these people that actually exonerated Epstein? Are you telling me that there are women who are on these flight manifests, who were traveling around, who are saying, I didn't have sex with anybody, and that exonerates him? It's an absurd statement on his face. Please, write to your congressman, write to everybody, write to the Department of Justice. This is unbelievable. But that's not where it ended. Here's Acosta making his office the hero of this piece. I'm not even kidding. It was very unusual for the federal prosecutors to intervene in a state matter. What? Yeah. (laughs) And take the case because the state might have made a worse deal if the federal government hadn't had their hammer over Epstein's head. What the hell? What hammer? You've agreed not to prosecute him or anybody he knows. I know. Or anybody involved in these crimes. That's so ridiculous. All the time we use the federal hammer. All the time. When you commit a crime, that is both a local crime and a federal crime, you can be prosecuted in both jurisdictions separately. Yes, you it can. has nothing to do one with the other. No. And it's not double jeopardy. Double jeopardy is the law that prevents you from being tried twice for the same crime. These are two different crimes. One's a state crime and one's a federal crime. That's right. And every single case, you can prosecute them in both places. Yes, you can. And it's only- I did it. It's only- the. Federal government, the feds, you and I, we both only didn't prosecute them federally if the state was then getting the maximum plea, right? incredible cooperation from the person, and has all sorts of reasons why the federal government shouldn't also pile on. Yeah, half of this country's state prosecutors had to have laughed on the floor, rolling around to hear Alex Acosta say it's unusual for the federal government to intervene in state matters. Well, first it happens of all, all the time. First of all, Alex, baby, you didn't intervene. 
in a state crime. You were supposed to be prosecuting him based on an FBI investigation of federal crimes. That's right. That's right. Interstate transportation of people for sex is a federal crime. And interstate transportation of a child for sex is a federal crime. Yes. Do I have to read you the law books? Did you go to law school? Give me a break. You absolutely have to read him the criminal statutes, but it didn't end there, Jim. So far, I would say that we are not convinced with Acosta's excuses yet. No, but maybe he's going to say something else. Yes, maybe he'll convince us. So what else did he say? Turn the tide. He said, today, we understand victim trauma better in what was a clear poke at the victim's saying they didn't have credibility or they had problems or they were so difficult as witnesses as to make them unworthy of belief by a jury. Let me tell you something. This was 2007. I resent the hell out of that because I'd already been prosecuting for 11 years. Yeah, and I was prosecuting in 1985, 1986, 1987. Child sex crimes. With victims who had issues, who had problems. Always had issues. And then I became an FBI agent and I investigated those cases for 22 years. 20 years by the time he's making that statement. I know. It's the dumbest statement by someone who has no idea what he's talking about. It is a deliberate statement to mislead the public. Yes. And I hope that you will write another op ed addressing every one of these points and let me sign on with you. Absolutely. We should do it together. And It's just a lie. It's a lie that he is promulgating to excuse his conduct then, just like the next thing he said, which was, judges don't allow victim shaming today. As if judges allowed victim shaming then, and somehow that's changed. That's news to me. What do you mean? Judges don't allow victim shaming today? So are you trying to say, oh my God, are you trying to say it was okay for judges? First of all, you didn't put it in front of a fucking judge. You, you decided not to do it. Are you trying to say, Alex, that you were protecting these victims from victim shaming? Because that was your job back then. He shamed the victims by not giving them any well, voice Well, he ended up all. doing it. But what he's trying to say in that statement today is that he was protecting those victims because they could have been victim shamed if he put them on the stand back in 2006. Yes. Which would have been his fault. He is the one. You represented the people of the United States, especially child victims. That's who you were supposed to be protecting, representing, and prosecuting cases on behalf of. That's right. What the fuck did you do for a living? Nothing. So far, Jim, I'm not convinced that the non-prosecution agreement was the, quote, best deal we could get at the time. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but let's see what else he said. Maybe we can still be persuaded. Oh, there you go, Francie. Always with an open mind. <laughs> so Acosta also said that their overall goal, their overall goal was to make sure that Epstein went to jail and had to register as a sex offender. That was their overall goal. Yeah, to go to jail. Hmm. Well, then why didn't they send him to jail? Right. Why did they put him on this? Okay, you could stay at home during the day. You could sleep at jail at night. Fast track to work release. Additionally, one of the things that wasn't addressed at this press conference that I would have liked to ask him, it's a little bit of a kink in state law and a kink in the registration. So Acosta talks a bunch about how registration as a sex offender was one of their primary goals. 
Well, the charges that he pled guilty to, two charges of procuring, soliciting prostitution of a minor, involved a 16-year-old girl. But there were 14-year-old girls involved. Why did he plead to procuring a minor who was 16 versus pleading to procuring a minor who was 14? They had good evidence. probably in the state of Florida, it's a lesser offense. It is a lesser offense. Isn't it? Good call, Jim. It's not only a lesser offense, but under the Sex Offender Registration Notification Act, which is a federal act, in multiple states in the country, if your victim is below a certain age, it not only increases the length of time you have to register and the category that you have to register under, but some states prohibit offenders from moving there. And he had a ranch in New Mexico. And if he'd pled guilty to procuring the services of a 14-year-old girl, he would have never been able to visit his ranch again. Coincidence? No. And let's go back because you just gave me another thing I want to talk to good old Alan about. Alex. Oh, Alan. Alan. I want to talk to Alan about the fact that he pled guilty to procuring the prostitution services of a 16-year-old girl, which is a minor, which is a crime, which means that he is a child sex offender. 100%. So for Alan, baby, and yes, I'm being condescending and pissed off at you because you know better than that. Give me a friggin' break. Of course he does. He's a criminal. If he pled it down to that, If that's the best deal you could have possibly made, you know what he did was worse. You know damn well what he did was worse because you didn't have him plead to the fucking worst behavior that he did. No, Jim, and the federal prosecutors knew- I want to talk to Kenny Starr too. Right? They knew more than the state prosecutors even did because the FBI did a very thorough investigation on top of the locals who'd already investigated and found literally dozens of victims, dozens, plural- Under no circumstances could anybody say that this was justice for victims or for the people of the United States. And when he said his overall goal was to put him in jail and to register, why isn't his overall goal justice? Why isn't his overall goal addressing the crimes that he committed over many years with multiple victims? Well, why wasn't that your overall goal? Why do you have such a low bar? What is it, Alex? Tell us. Well, Jim, I think I might be able to answer this question. Oh, good. Because as he was talking about his office's downright heroics in snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, I don't even understand his logic, but saying that he snatched it from the state and then made them get a so much better deal, this absurd work release chauffeur-driven sentence. After bragging about the professionalism of his office and how much how very much they care about these victims, how dedicated they were, how much experience they have helping these kinds of victims. Yeah. He then says, but you know, the case wasn't a slam dunk. It was a roll of the dice and we just couldn't take that chance. So you're right, Alex. Oh my God. I'm so sorry for talking like this about you. when. Oh, man, you might have lost a trial. And oh, the alternative is, of course, that this child sex offender, this guy who's sexually trafficking children and young women, Jeffrey Epstein, this guy is out at his home, at his mansion every day, 
And after 13 months of sleeping at jail at night and getting chauffeur driven back to his home all day and doing whatever the hell he pleased during that time, he's free to travel, to be bulletproof, to continue to consort with all sorts of people from all sorts of different places. And I'm guessing young women and girls may have also been there. Well, and who knows what he's doing on his island. So the risk to the community is now exacerbated by you, Alex, because you let him get such a sweetheart deal. And I don't believe when you have to use these fake bullshit excuses that any of what you're telling us is true. No, I don't believe any of it. I mean, when when you talked about the career prosecutor reaching out to victims over that weekend, which is ridiculous, they certainly could have been reaching out long before that to tell them. They and were Monday doesn't stop it. anything. And Monday doesn't stop. Why no. didn't you tell them after that? Right. Why the isn't victim- there a written letter explaining to them why you did what you did, what exactly happened, and why it was the best result? Why it didn't that happened. happen? It never Just happened. because the state moved ahead doesn't stop your responsibility, Alex. And it did. And on Monday, she didn't contact any victims, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, or for what 30 days Monday after. what time did they do it? Monday, what, they started at, I don't know, 8.15, and Alex wasn't ready to talk to him till 9, and it was already too late? That's ridiculous. ridiculous. They never, ever informed him. They only found out by accident later because of some media coverage. That's it. They found out by accident. So the fact that she claims to be trying to reach him over the weekend, but then just suddenly stops because the plea takes place, begs credulity. No, it is not this credible. This is Monday morning quarterbacking. This is trying to make something sound better than it was because now, years later, people found out about it. Yes. People and just didn't know. So, so far, Jim, I think you and I are pretty clear that we're not convinced that the non-prosecution agreement was the best deal the federal government and all its resources could make with this child sex offender. Let's give him one more shot. Okay. One last shot. One last shot. At the press conference, he expresses his admiration for the New York charges that have just dropped and and has expressed his hope that Epstein gets justice because he's a bad guy. Really? He actually said that. He's a bad guy. With that tone, he's a bad guy. As if we're just figuring this out. Uh, Alex. Didn't he plead guilty to soliciting the services of a 16-year-old girl prostitute? First of all, 16-year-old girl means victim, not prostitute. Exactly. And secondly, he pled guilty and you wanted him to go to jail. That was your ultimate goal, right? And register as a sex offender. Do you think you now have to tell us that he's a bad guy? He's a registered sex offender, for Christ's sake. Give me a break. Every excuse he used, you know, talking about not being able to put the victims on the witness stand because maybe they were seeking civil settlements. Do you know how many times I did that in my career? As if somehow that meant you couldn't put them on the stand because they were then incredible. All these different barriers. On the one hand, he talks about his office is heroic. On the other hand, he talks about how difficult it would have been to get a prosecution at all. Then why would the guy have ever pled guilty to anything anywhere? Right. If his case was that strong, if he was so innocent, if it was so hard to prove his guilt, then no one would have been able to. Right. And yet he admitted his guilt in state court because he rec- obviously recognized Epstein, that he was getting off lucky. And he rushed into court to take that deal and sign the non-prosecution Very agreement. quietly, right? Very quietly. It's crazy. The situation is 
to me, absolute dereliction of duty on the part of the state prosecutors, the state judge who gave him that sentence, the federal line prosecutors who went along with this and by their email traffic with the defense team, they were fully on board. And by their failure to notify the victims, they were fully on board. Alex Acosta, they should all be fired. None of them should be in a position of public trust ever again, because we, the public, cannot, should not, and do not trust them. Well, I agree with you, Francie. This is a really disturbing set of circumstances, just on its face. I mean, talk about how incredibly bad the situation is. I have never, in my career as a former prosecutor for the city of New York, as an FBI agent, as an FBI profiler. And after that, as a citizen of the United States who's still involved in a lot of investigations, why and how could they possibly have done a deal with one defendant to agree to hold harmless any co-conspirators, anybody that he committed crimes with? How could they do that? Have you ever heard of that? No. Ever? No. Not in either. Certainly not in this kind of case. Why would you do it? No, there's no reason to do it. That's the thing. There was no reason to do it. He wasn't giving cooperation. They weren't cooperating. Whoever these other co-conspirators are, there is no reasonable rationale for the result in this case. And listen, you, you know, Jim, you know me. I am pro-law enforcement. In fact, on this podcast and lots of other places, people comment all the time that I do not see corruption in the system, that I do not believe that prosecutors or cops are bad. Of course, those things have never been true. That's not true for me. I'm not blind. But certainly, this should tell people once and for all. These are my own brethren. I was in the Department of Justice just a few hundred miles away in Atlanta when this was occurring. I was sitting in the U.S. Attorney's Office. Of course, I didn't know anything about it. Nobody knew anything about it. I think they kept super quiet because it's obviously an embarrassment. It is a travesty. There is no reasonable explanation for it. I can't find any rationale that excuses this utter failure to seek justice and obey their oaths of office. As a prosecutor, as a line assistant, you raise your hand and you swear to do justice, to obey the Constitution, and to seek justice for people. Mm. One of the proudest moments of my entire life was the first time I stood up in federal court and said, Francie Hakes for the United States. I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. I have never forgotten it. I'm still terribly proud of my time there, but I am ashamed today of the Department of Justice. I'm ashamed at my brethren, those people that I practiced with and probably went to conferences with and met and maybe even knew slightly. I am ashamed of the conduct of the Department of Justice. And I hope that they are right, that today they are trying to right this wrong in the Southern District of New York, the wrongs committed by the Southern District of Florida. Well, Francie, you know, I don't think you have any reason to be ashamed, but I do understand what you're saying. And I believe that this is a moment that can go either way. I mean, hopefully the confidence and the trust of the people of the United States of America can be rebuilt. But right now, 
it's unbelievable to me, not that they made a deal, but they made such a bad deal and then took the extra step because this defendant has absolutely no control over them with respect to other people. And I would ask, were these lawyers representing Jeffrey Epstein or were they representing other people as well? And were those other people who were anonymously protected by this deal, were they the actual drivers of this deal? And who are those people? If I were you out there listening to this, those would be the questions I'd be asking. And I'd be asking everybody until I get the answers. And that's what we're going to be doing, Jim. Absolutely. Until next time, thank you for listening to Best Case, Worst Case, Worst Case Scenario. Best Case, Worst Case is an XG production. Produced by Jim Clementi at Empire Studios, L.A. Engineered and edited by Mike Thal. Music composed and performed by Simba Sumba. And hosted by Wonder. You can listen to Best Case, Worst Case on your favorite listening app. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to do something about child sexual abuse, Darkness Delight can help. Did you know that more than 90% of the time children are sexually abused by someone they know? Jim, this isn't about stranger danger. It's about learning the true risks. Darkness to Light's training can help prevent, recognize, and react to child sexual abuse in your community. When you make the decision to get involved, kids can be protected. It starts with you. Visit www.d2l.org to take the training and learn more. That's d the number 2 l.org. Oh,